0: Screw it, screw it, we're just talk about comics. Hello and welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. This is the only podcast hosted by two brothers talking about a thing they love, and that thing is comic books. I'm one of the two brothers slash kind of comedian slash co-host of the podcast, Kevin Hines.
1: And I'm all that and less, Will Hines. And, uh,
0: Will, we finished, we wrapped up a season last episode. We did? Yeah, we finished up our Marvel first, uh, season where we talked about the first issues of the launch of, like, Marvel's original superheroes, Iron Man, Thor, Spider-Man, you know, those guys.
1: Spawn. Spawn. Um, um, yeah. Savage Dragon. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Uh, All the classics that Marvel owns 100% of the rights of. Okay. The Mask. Yep, sure. (laughs) you're more obsessed with the mask than I feel like most people are at this point, but dark man. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, dark man was a movie character first, mm-hmm. but then it hit comic book published by Marvel in the 1960s. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was fun. I was glad to go over that stuff. Uh, yeah. And now we are kind of going into our in between season episodes where we answer emails and cover comic books and in this case we are covering john burns fantastic four run today we're going to be covering issues 247 248 and 249 as part of our little mini seasons of cosmic rays and correspondence
1: um i agree with everything you just said great good
0: that's all just bookkeeping
1: now do we have anything to cover in our not named our unnamed segment of like Other media. Somebody just posted
0: on Instagram today saying we should name that section (laughs) screw-ons.
1: I don't fully understand that. I mean, the screw part. It gives it the sort of it's additional, it's adjacent, it's supplemental kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, it's being added on to the regular format.
0: I mean, I'm not saying I dislike it either, but it, it, it almost makes sense. Without completely making sense, I like the idea of putting screw in the name. I mean, like, let's brand, let's use our name of our show that we, um, yeah, it makes more sense
1: than a lot of decisions we've made.
0: Yeah. A lot of our listeners are smarter about running a podcast than us.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, okay. That's a contender. Let's put, let's put that on the whiteboard. Sure. But do you have anything you'd like to talk about in this? Well, I haven't read
0: anything, but have you, uh, uh, first of all, do you have anything?
1: Not really. I finished the Guardians game, but I don't have anything really new to say about it from last episode. Okay. Have you done any of? Have you tried this AI chat thing at all? Sure. Yeah, the chat GPT. Yeah. Yes, I have tried it. I had to so write a, a tweet in my style. I tried it, it. Write a f- tweet in the style of Will Hines.
0: I tried it for the first time today, and I asked it to do a pitch for Marvel's uh, The Enforcers. Okay. Um do you want me to read it? Yes. Okay, let me pull it up. So I said, "Pitch me a TV show featuring Marvel's The Enforcers." I was worried if I just said The Enforcers, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know who I was talking about.
1: I think there are other properties called The Enforcers. Yeah. I think that's like a movie and stuff. So I think that was mm-hmm. that's fair.
0: So anyway, so this is fun. The Enforcers, a group of ruth, ruthless criminals, have always been a thorn in the side of New York City's heroes. But what if the Enforcers got their own TV show, allowing us to see their inner workings and motivations as they go about their villainous activities? In this action-packed drama series, we follow the exploits of the Enforcers as they navigate the seedy underbelly of the city's criminal underworld, led by the charismatic and ruthless Hammerhead. The Enforcers consist of the streetwise and cunning Montana, the powerful and menacing Ox, and this is a twist, well, and the seductive and dangerous Lady Octopus. (laughs) I and mean, I think ChatGPT realized rightfully so there's no female characters. <laughs> uh, as the enforcers carry out their various schemes and heists, they come into conflict with both the city's superheroes and other villains vying for power. But even as they face danger and betrayal from all sides, the enforcers remain fiercely loyal to each other, a bond that is tested time and again as they struggle to survive and thrive in a world that's always trying to bring them down.
1: I mean, that's scarily not bad.
0: Yeah. So then I said, pitch it again, but this time it's comedic. Okay. Because that was too serious, I thought. Sure. So then it came back with this. What if the notorious Marvel villain team, The Enforcers, had their own sitcom? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In this laugh-out-loud comedy, we follow the hijinks and misadventures of (laughs) Hammerhead, Montana, Ox, and Lady Optimus. (laughs) Poor Fancy Dan. As they bumble their way through their criminal endeavors. Despite their aspirations of being top-tier villains, the Enforcers are constantly beset by hilarious mishaps and setbacks. Whether it's their ineptitude with high-tech gadgets or their cluelessness about the latest criminal trends, these would-be masterminds just can't seem to get it right. And of course, there's the added challenge of dealing with their own personal drama. Hammerheads, short-temper, and domineering personalities constantly clash with Montana's wise-cracking and rebellious attitude. Meanwhile, Ox is always getting into wacky situations due to his massive strength, while Lady Octopus juggles her criminal pursuits with her complicated love life. Through it all, the Enforcers try to maintain their cool and stay one step ahead of the heroes and other villains who threaten their operations. But with their zany antics and outrageous schemes, it's a wonder they can stay on track at all. Will the Enforcers finally strike at big as supervillains, or will they continue to be the laughingstock of the Marvel Universe? Tune in and find out.
1: Incredible. Anyway. um, It's scary. Like, just <clears throat> besides just that it's, a, you know, a coherent pitch. Mm-hmm. And even though it's, you know, relatively empty in a lot of ways, it's amazing that it determined who the enforcers were, what the members were, except for Fancy Dan. They, it gave a pretty good, you know, summation of their personalities. Yeah. Figured out what a pitch was. You know, what a comedic pitch was. Gave it a hook at the beginning. Like, there's so many things that are good about that. I've never been one to be, like, nervous about the robot uprising. That's something that I've always found to be a little, like, never going to happen. But this is scaring me. Yeah, This is, like, pretty good. Like, an email in that form seems like a lame but not incompetent pitch.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... It's weirdly a good start, and also, I mean, it's a pitch for a property that doesn't have like a lot of internet presence. I would think.
1: Yeah, if you asked it to pitch a Spider-Man TV show, like it would just have a lot of yeah, a lot more to data from. to pull from. Lady Octopus was Lady Octopus ever a member of the Enforcers?
0: I have no idea. I didn't. I didn't do any research. Uh, I let Chat GPT do it all the time. Also, I have another question.
1: Did you ask Chat GPT to do anything before you had it? Is this the first thing you This is had the only two things I've <laughs> ever done. Kevin, <with> <laughs> we've connected you to the Matrix. You're the one. You have ultimate power in this reality. Okay. Talk to me about an Enforcer's TV show. What well, You could learn Kung Fu. You have all these weapons. You could overthrow uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me make an Enforcer's TV show. I mean, in my
0: defense, I knew we were recording tonight. Uh-huh. And two, I was trying to think of something silly and hard for hard for it to do.
1: I mean, that is really weird. You should have yeah. asked it. What's better, Squadron Supreme or Watchmen?
0: Uh, I didn't want Chris Gethard to hear. <laughs> I figured it would get back to him somehow. Um.
1: Well, that I am unnerved. I'm unnerved. <laughs>
0: It's not as good as our ideas for the show, but it's not far off either.
1: Did I tell you how I want the pilot for our TV show to end with Fancy Dan pitching that they steal the Mona Lisa? Or was that your idea?
0: I, I think it was. I think it was your idea that you gave me credit for.
1: I love the pilot being like, we're going to steal the Mona Lisa. <laughs> Just like something mm-hmm. so insanely grand for these guys. Um. So, uh, OK, well, the robots are coming. The singularity is close, but in the meantime, we got some comics to cover.
0: That's right, Will. We're we're after uh, wallowing in the '60s, we're back to the modern time of the '80s.
1: <laughs> For us, that's as modern as we get, usually. Yeah, uh, yeah. So let's dive into this. So we're doing sure. John Byrne's run on the Fantastic Four. This is when he's the writer and the artist. He left his collaboration with Chris, Chris Claremont on the X Men to do this. He did a stupendous job. It's still one of the most beloved runs of Fantastic Four. I think that's fair to say. Kevin and yeah. I love it from because we read it when we first got into comics in our younger days. And it, it to a large degree, really holds up.
0: Yeah, when when this came out, and I, obviously some people will disagree with this, but uh, it certainly felt like, and, and, the, and the vibe of it and the news of it felt like, this was the first time Fantastic Four comics have been good in a long time. What was once... The pinnacle of Marvel had sort of fallen on sort of like, oh yeah, and that title still around.
1: I think Tom Brevoort, Tom Brevoort, in his uh, Substack newsletter, and he's a huge Fantastic Four fan as well. He's been the editor recently, right? And um, he says that the '70s runs are a bit underrated. That, like, yeah,
0: that's why I'm saying some people would disagree.
1: Yeah, it's well, it's basically. I think he still would largely agree with you, but it's just it's not like it, the bottom didn't totally fall out.
0: Yes, but also. Those were the first Fantastic Four comics he read. Yeah. So I think there is some rose-colored glasses, as we have probably for John Byrne's run. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just more speaking about, like, I just remember, like, this that was sort of the vibe I felt. And certainly after he left, it was like, for a long time, it was like, when can you get back to either John Byrne levels or Jack Kirby? Like, those are yeah. the two runs that were always brought up
1: afterwards. Yes, yes, that's true. Um, so oh. an, an interesting thing about Burns' quality is he basically is just revisiting Kirby stuff really well, uh, a lot of the time. You know, he kind of just does a tour of all the Kirby FF characters, which are you know, a billion. But like, yeah, he adds uh, his that's, own. That's not wrinkles. bad. I, I don't. It's just like that's a. It's an interesting mission statement.
0: He adds his own wrinkles and stuff. But yes, it is. It's not like he is inventing whole new concepts, right? He's doing new things with the Inhumans. But he's not inventing the Inhumans.
1: He's like updating the cast of characters. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's get into this. We have three issues, and I think this first one is the kind of the biggest one that we have.
0: um, Yeah. I mean, I think this one, 247 and 249 are sort of big ones, but this one's definitely bigger.
1: Yes. 249 is big, but it's setting up for the big 250 issue, which we'll get to next episode. Yeah. So it's a little bit like spread out, whereas 247 all by itself is a big story. I guess this is the second half of what happened last issue, which is where the the FF go to Latveria. They are tricked into restoring Doom into his human body because he'd been trapped in a tiny robot body. Mm -hmm. And then this is kind of now he's back in his human body and we are discovering the fallout from that, which is that. Latveria has fallen into ruin and Doom wants to reassume control.
0: Yeah, there was some other story, I guess, pre-Burn, where the FF usurped him and put somebody else in charge. Zorba. Yeah, which I've never read that story.
1: You know, weirdly, I think I did read it when I was, like, in the, you know, nine-year-old buying comics off the rack at 7-Eleven. I think Mm -hmm. I did read some of the Zorba issues. Um, And it was confusing to my nine year old chat
0: GPT thinks of Zorba.
1: (laughs) Imagine if Zorba was a sitcom (laughs) laugh out loud plots as in he and doom go toe to toe. As he and lady octopus. (laughs) (laughs) Lady octopus is always. in. We just find out chat GPT is this real into lady octopus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So the overall story here is doom has the FF under an inhibitor ray, which prevents them from attacking him only. Mm -hmm. The overall story is he shows them that he not only wants to be ruler of Latveria, but he is the best ruler, and that without him running it, the place falls to crap, and that the guy they put in charge has become an evil dictator, right? That's like the overarching story. Yeah,
0: that's basically the gist of it. Um, This is Burns' only second storyline with Doom. He's being a little reserved. He's still bringing him back a lot, but for like a character that almost feels like the fifth member of the cast.
1: Right. We had the Terror in a Tiny Town. Yes. And This Land is Mine. Both land oriented titles.
0: That's right. Yeah. Doom's, he's like a, he's sort of like the super, the Gene Hackman Lex Luthor. He's very real estate based. (laughs) I always love that about that Superman movie. That's such a weird hook that Gene Hackman's Luther was mostly focused on real estate.
1: Right, and then Superman 4 Richard Pryor is stealing half pennies off of paychecks. They're like very like financially oriented villains.
0: Well, but like Luther's specifically not about even being rich. He's about real estate. Right. And then he, when uh uh Brian Singer did his movie and had Kevin Spacey as Lex <laughs> Luthor, it was once again a real estate plot. Like he honored that aspect.
1: <laughs> so funny. Um we well yeah so this is burns second doom story i think it's a humdinger um watch your language humdinger it's a it's a real um it's a gosh i couldn't come up with another one um slam dunk (laughs) so one of the things that happens in this issue so doom is like takes ff on a tour of latveria and we, we can go through it in more detail but like It's a lot of just like, okay, this guy you put in charge, Zorba, who seemed like the rightful ruler of Latveria from an old monarch and is the good guy. And that's definitely what the story was originally in the FF comics when that happened, has been revealed. And Byrne makes this true that he is like a, you know, tyrant who has like secret police and curfews and murderous people. It seems like he. he wasn't always
0: this way. He just became it like ruling made him become evil. Like the stress Almost of, corrupted. of trying to like run this formerly, this trying to turn Latveria into a democracy kind of made him like make a lot of bad decisions and then double down on those bad decisions and then triple down on those bad decisions. And he sort of become a bad guy. It doesn't quite undo like that earlier story, but it, it, it certainly makes him seem like maybe he wasn't, as solid a guy as he seemed in those comics I never read.
1: That That's the way the story, John, but, you know, basically John Bird is doing whatever
0: yeah, he twists needs.
1: and turns to keep that continuity true. But in the end result is Zorba is a bad ruler.
0: There's aspects of the story where like, and he sort of kind of convinces the FF of this, but not me, where there's a lot of talk about like the threat of punishment is what kept vary in line. They Doom didn't have to torture or, didn't have to do anything to anyone. He just had to threaten them with extreme punishments, which is a very conservative viewpoint, right? Where it's like, oh, the if, if the laws are strict enough, people won't commit yeah. crimes.
1: It's a deterrent, right? If yeah. there's a death penalty, we'll never have to use it sort of thing.
0: Yeah, which uh, has been proven not to work. But, you know, <laughs> I don't know if in the 80s I would have – in the 80s I might have
1: read this and been like, maybe. But now I read it and yeah. I'm like, well, that's baloney. <laughs> Um, I didn't even think about it in terms of like right wing or left wing stuff. But what I was thinking about was this. there, There is a, you know, whether it's effective or not, he's trying to sort of humanize Doom's uh, ruling of Latveria. Like, you know, traditionally, he, you know, Doom is like 100% bad guy. Talks in the third person, wants world, you know, conquest is just like a, you know, fully, fully maxed out bad guy, bad guy. And here it's, Bern is sort of trying to i think like mitigate it a little bit he's like hey you know I actually was a good ruler of latveria like i demanded control but i was benevolent with that control that's what that's what's being said in this issue yeah. and how I think do you it's feel a, about that i i think it's i didn't when i read this originally i accepted it i was like oh that's interesting it didn't make me think that Doom was a good guy. It was just an interesting side effect, which is like, what if the bad guy is best at the job? You know, what if the good person is not as good at the job as the bad guy? It's, it was like an intriguing story is what I thought about. But what I wanted to bring up is it's happening at the same time as Claremont is in a much more effective way, humanizing Magneto, like these two guys teamed up on the X-Men, and then they split up for whatever reasons. They couldn't get along or wanted control. And then Claremont on the X-Men makes Magneto a more relatable human. And at the same time, Burns kind of doing it to doom. It was sort of like maybe in the air to take these like 100% villains of Marvel and soften them. It might have been like a Marvel-wide trend. You know, I don't know. Was the Green Goblin getting into pottery? I don't remember what was happening in Spider-Man. Okay, great. See, more human. <laughs> I
0: mean, he'd been dead for 10 years, 15 years at that
1: point, okay. I think. Okay,
0: okay. The hobgoblin was then the, you know, probably the closest thing there was to it. He was not very human.
1: How about Craven being humanized by Craven's Last Hunt, sort of? I mean, like, there's there's this yeah. sort of like softening of the villains happening.
0: I think making them fully fleshed characters. I mean, we talked about it when we covered the first season, the first hundred issues of uh, Fantastic Four, that Doom starts off cartoonishly evil. Right. And we certainly saw that when we saw the first appearance of Magneto, that they are just like mustache twirling. There's nothing to these characters. I mean, the early Doom stories are bad until the (laughs) annual that kind of gives him his backstory. He's not that great a character. He's a fun name and a fun visual, but not much else. And then he becomes more interesting with Latveria and all this other stuff. Uh, And so this is just taking that further, right? It's fully rounding him out. Um. I, I'm t- I'm mixed. I remember reading this and liking it and then hearing some people complain about it later on, uh, like writers and stuff being like, yeah. oh, it doesn't make sense that Doom would be a good leader. Like that people would like him in Latveria. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of both ways, right? Because it's like I do want him to be more than just a fiendishly evil character. And if he is such an awful dictator, then I feel like the FF should have done something about him. But we don't want him to. We don't want him to lose that part. So it's kind of like twisted. Like, it's basically like I don't love the idea that he's a dictator and people have to stay there and love him. And he's good (laughs) at it. Like, yeah, there's something it's hard for me to accept both sides of that coin. I think it's a it's a it's a good try. And I think this issue reads pretty good in the era that it came out. I think it reads a little misguided now. Just the argument that he is a good leader.
1: Yeah, I truly like, had.
0: I, I, I guess I don't love that the FF are buy into it. I don't mind that they're like, well, Zorba's bad, so we need to get rid of Zorba. That makes sense. But they're yeah. also like, hey, like Thing says a couple of times, like,
1: maybe Doom's right. And I'm like, oh, I don't think he is. But yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's, uh, yeah, I guess it was an innovative enough turn in the how do we present Doom, you know, trend. Uh, you know, over the course of all FF issues that I just remember being, like, struck by, oh, yeah, that's it, that's interesting. That's an interesting take. Um, And I didn't think about it much beyond that.
0: I mean, in uh, these third, in the third page, a child runs into him, and he turns around and goes, who dares, who dares strike the personage of Dr. Doom? And it's like a child.
1: Right, right. But then, like, the mom comes out, and she's like, oh, I love you, Doom. <laughs> yeah, it is, like, there's, mo- there's twice where, maybe more than twice, where, like, common residents of Latveria fall to their feet and praise him and beg for him to come back. Like it is really convenient. Um, the story is kind of like real doom sympathetic. Yeah. But um, a lot of superhero stories, if you like think about the lessons they're teaching you, they all kind of come down to a good guy with a gun is, better the best thing to treat a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun but instead of a gun it's a bad guy with whatever mind controlling dimension hopping abilities is a good guy with heat vision and bulletproof skin or something i mean that's not the point of superhero stories but that that's easily found within the dynamic of a superhero story sure
0: i mean i'm not here to you know get into whether superhero stories are realistic or
1: not all i'm saying is consider my campaign for president. Mm, I'll nope. be as good as Doctor Doom. That's a bad slogan. <laughs> um for we the got Mal- lot of main
0: reason because I think Marvel might sue you.
1: <laughs> well, I'm spelling Doom differently, so they can't do it. Oh, okay. Um we got a lot of great art in this issue. Uh we got a lot of just the great John Byrne storytelling. Uh, A lot of character in the faces, a lot of sort of vistas of Latveria. Uh, You know, we we open on a after a big dramatic splash page of Doom with his arms in the air, saying, "This land is mine." It's kind of a fun, double page wide, you know, portrayal of like a square in Latveria where things have fallen into ruin, and the FF are holding back. They're holding Ben Grimm back from attacking Doom.
0: Especially after coming off of these old Marvel comics that are sort of thrown together, especially those early issues. It is nice to see a comic that is just like coherent from panel one to panel whatever.
1: Right, right. Looks like Byrne inked this. That's uh, interesting Uh, when he inks his own stuff. Yep, he did. Uh, He put a lot of work into these issues. Uh, He's uh, he's almost as a hard worker as Doctor Doom.
0: (laughs) Man. You're all in on Dr. Doom. He's convinced you.
1: Well, the thing it's, says,
0: it's, I smell a setup, and I'm with the thing. I'm with Ben Grimm.
1: Not me. I'm 100% <laughs> with Dr. Doom. Um,
0: uh, but yeah, there's some great action. Um, again, like this child runs into him. Doom threatens the child, but then the woman is wants him to like get rid of Zorba. Uh, they get a little recap of Zorba being put in charge by the FF. Uh,
1: and then robots attack and kill the woman. Right, very dramatic murder here and the robots are very they look sentinel-ish, don't they? Yeah, they do. They look kind of like mini sentinels, like drawn by the guy who used to be drawing the sentinels. Yeah,
0: though the sentinels existed pre-burn.
1: Right, it just looks like he's borrowing from that design. I guess it's just like if if I was like on one title I wouldn't I would try to separate myself when I got to the next title, you know, I wouldn't be like, "Okay, I left Happy Days and on my new show leather jackets and saying hey! a <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I guess I'm not 100
0: percent sure if he invented these robots or if they pre-existed. Ah, okay. But uh, uh, I'm I'm googling that right now.
1: Uh well they they're not like exact matches so I guess I could be just being fussy. Um you so they <laughs> they decide to temporarily they first of all they can't fight you and they have an inhibitor right so they decide to kind of go the FF are like well, let's just learn more about what's going on. We can't do anything right now anyway. And it's sort of confirmed that Zorba is bad and now in addition to just the normal secret police sentinel looking robots, there's straight up murder robots that are released into the town. That Zorba's fed up with himself being disobeyed and and we know they're different because they are green and they are declared to be killer robots. So yes. the FF have to stop a wave of just murder machines.
0: Yes, and they're good at that. Action scenes are really fun. I think Burn draws great action. It's just action that, like, I know Will's bored by any time a, uh, a comic book character swings a fist, but when Burn right. does it, I really think it it it, it moves the story along
1: and it's it really is fun. I I you know as somebody who gets easily bored by by punching. Uh, Burn fights are easy to read. They're somehow like inventive and story focused, like just Sue using her force shield to like lift a bunch of the murder robots high above the houses and then end her force field. So they all drop. It's very, very Matrixy. I got a lot of I got Matrix on the mind today.
0: Um, We meet Zorba eventually and his like right hand man is basically a Nazi general, right? Yeah, it looks bad. Like uh, that, that, that the Vanessing 4 liked this guy and his right-hand man is like, you know, got like a, a secret uh, – what do you call him? A, a stormtrooper like military hat and yeah, he's smoking it, an evil cigarette with this, a cigarette holder. The
1: uniform looks Nazi-ish mixed with, dare I say, Death Star uh, admirals and also a just a long cigarette holder, which is yeah. just sort of like evil guy smoking apparatus. Yes uh you yeah, he's i mean it's not adding to Zorba's credibility that that's his number 2
0: if that's the guy you're getting advice from
1: <laughs> you're evil um it's like in lord of the rings when the number when the guy's name is wormtongue my advisor wormtongue Tongue. yeah i love i love wormtongue so uh, zorba has definitely become bad however he was presented to us back in issue 200 he is now a bad idea. He releases the murder robots. We get a very fun burn fight that even I was willing to read. And then uh, Doom eventually confronts Sorba and kills him off panel. Yep. And the
0: FF um, basically helped him murder this person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: they can't fight him because of the ray and then they leave. I also don't know if the if Doom really needed their help to pull this off. It, I feel like he could have done this on his own
1: right it's they they're sort of just along for the ride like he's they're there because they were bringing back his uh however it worked his person his personality trapped in a robot body or something that's right but that happened last issue now he doesn't really need him they're just kind of along for the tour of doom is great yeah it just sort
0: of gets blood on their hands now it's like whenever doom does something evil they helped him get there and they helped get this guy killed i kind of a screw up by the ff but it's it's not even treated it's not treated like this is a victory it's treated like all right let's just get out of here
1: there also was like a thing that doom doom being around and being in power is status quo like as the reader for us to leave things with doom still a threat out there doesn't in a weird way it doesn't feel like a loose end it's like yeah there's always these villains who are just out there
0: no, yeah, I don't. I don't think it feels like a loose end. I just, it doesn't feel like, oh, the FF won, <laughs> right? That's it's not
1: a victory. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's interesting to read this with uh, modern eyes. Uh, the Doom is bad. Burn presents him as good, and the FF help him. Yeah, yeah.
0: I just, I think Doom is presented. Not as good as this comic wanted us to think he is. Right. I mean, he murders someone at the end, so he's not treated as that good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're He's still the bad guy. Uh, going on to issue 248. All right. We have an inhuman story on the moon, and it's a one and done story. A great cover for, uh, I think, a mediocre issue. Yes, pretty mediocre, um, although fun. You know, the, as we said before, these one-and-done issues, they they can feel a little insignificant, but they're sort of like well-crafted insignificant things. They're, they're the, a good little ride.
0: And they were also more standard back in this day of like just sort of like one-off stories were a big thing in Marvel Comics. Like not everything was eight-issue arcs. It was more like this, two-issue arcs, one-issue story, one-issue story, two-issue arc, three-issue arc. You know, it's all like little yeah. bits and drabs. So it – Lots of comics had stories that, like, could seem like one-offs, like little filler stories. Um, this one, I, I think, well, we'll talk about it when we get to the end of it. But I love this cover where it's like we see uh, Adalan, we see the Inhumans, we see, like, Sue melting into water. We see this giant eyeball in the sky. It's very cool.
1: Yeah, it's super, super intriguing and fun. And mostly a fair representation of what we see inside. I think a completely fair representation. Okay. Okay. Um, How should we do this? Should we tell this story in the order that it happens? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's much to the story. Well, we open with Triton, who is the sort of Aquaman inhuman. Yeah. Swimming in an underwater moon river, which is a fun idea. Moon river. Um, And he finds like a crystal and touches it and the room turns white. And we, we don't find out what that means until the end of the issue.
0: That's right, and then we see the FF have arrived in Adelaide and they're coming to celebrate the birth of Crystal's
1: uh, daughter, Luna. Yeah, they're give they're officially giving her a name, which they had already decided was going to be Luna. But I guess there's like an official Inhumans ceremony where that happens, and so that's happening now.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a you know the Inhumans are a royal family, so everyone wants to celebrate the birth of a new member of this family. Um. And they're celebrating it. And uh, it's going okay until the moon gets sucked into a giant <laughs> spaceship.
1: Yeah, it's pretty... Uh, you know, it's fun when comics take advantage of their limitless special effects budget. They, you know, that anything you can draw can happen. Especially back in the 80s when special effects truly were, like, way more limited in movies. Yeah, and that have... is
0: almost cheaper than drawing it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you can... um. Um, have things like this where the moon just gets sucked away into a big ship. Yeah. It gets sucked away. It flies away
0: from Earth. And then they get pulled into a spaceship that is... I mean, it is so large that it makes Galactus seem tiny, right?
1: Right. The moon is basically like a basketball in this ship. Yeah. Uh, so the Fantastic Four and the core in humans leave the moon to enter the spaceship and see what's going on right
0: and when they see like the moon is slowly being like ripped apart um there's some discussion of like uh ancient spaceships that the inhumans don't need anymore that they're lending to the ff for investigation um so that they can fly around and see what's going on and then they see like an alien enter uh but it's already getting suspicious right because there's there's a moment where like reed makes the comment that like this must be made by just machines it's too it's too large to be like manned by any creatures and the surfaces are too smooth like if a creature was large enough to walk around in this he wouldn't need it to be this finely smoothed out because it's too big right like to us right uh uh, something this like a wall to an ant is not as smooth as it is to us, is basically his point. But then there's like a giant door that Reed didn't even notice. It's like a huge, huge door. He goes, ah, I didn't notice that. And that's weird to not notice a huge, huge, mile, mile high door.
1: Yeah, Reed starts pointing out all these like physical impossibilities.
0: Right, it starts after that. But that's like the first one. He's like, I didn't notice that. That's weird.
1: Yeah. So this big alien enters. And he's massive.
0: Yeah, and he's like, doing some tests on the the moon and he destroys Adelan with his thumb or something. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then like Johnny, who'd been flying around, catches up with the FF and here's where like Reed starts pointing out nothing is making sense, right? He points out that like Johnny couldn't have flown this far. This is the equivalent of like flying from the moon to Earth. It's just, it's too far to fly. Yeah. Uh, The thing points it all these ships taking off from the surface and reads like, well, you that that's too far away for us to be able to see it. None of this makes sense anymore. Uh, black bolt talks and it doesn't like kill everyone around
1: him. Right. Which it's supposed to do. Uh, um, the alien the, uses bug spray on the FF. That's pretty fun. funny. Yeah. Uh, Johnny gets killed. Yeah. Right. Johnny attacks gets, the alien and it's like swats. him like a fly and kills him.
0: The thing gets like tossed over his shoulder and, uh, it, the caption says, it will take him
1: most of a day to hit the ground. And then Reed screams as he sees Ben. He was mostly cool with Johnny dying. He's very distraught by Ben <laughs> yeah, dying. He, he, was, he was pumped about Johnny dying. That was the weird part, right? And then uh, Sue starts melting in his arms. And he grabs Sue and she melts into goop. Kind of for no reason. Oh, the, no, there's gas.
0: Yeah. Uh, he screams, No! As you do when your loved one dies, and then he's back in Alan with the FF. They're all okay. It was yep. all a weird dream. It was all a dream. Um, and the last page reveals that it was triggered by this crystal that Triton had found. Um, and I weirdly like had forgotten about that when I was reading this. Like it okay. worked on me. I was like, I knew it was a dream. I knew something because Reed was pointing out all these inaccuracies. But I was like, oh wonder what's causing this hallucination or this weird thing. And then it's like, Oh yeah. The thing they set up in the first page that I conveniently forgot about.
1: Right. Well, um, it was all a dream, but kind of a fun, fun little nightmare. Um, Good sci-fi story. And we won't think about it probably again. Um, Should we go on to the next story? Yeah. 249. So this is the setup to the what will be a big story in 250. Yeah, 250 is going to be a double-sized issue. It's going to be the second part of this. Uh, this is basically the Guardian, who is a character that Byrne created at some point. Dave Cochran. Of- Dave Cockrum
0: oh, da- created.
1: My bad. Uh, who is, like, from the Shi'ar race in the pages mm-hmm. of X-Men. Um, you know, when the Starjammers were, like, involved in the early Claremont X-Men stories.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, Guardian was in the first burn issues because he took over at the end of that storyline. That's believe. right. He finished up the Starjammers
1: stuff. Cochram started it and Burn finished it. And the, the Guardian is like this super-powered like, warrior who protects the queen. He's like the knight that protects the queen, sort of. And he's just a super-powered being. Yes. Uh, he's and basically Superman. Basically Superman with a mohawk. hmm Got a cool mohawk. And... So this is him arriving on Earth and fighting the FF for
0: reasons yes, that are this is a big fight issue, so we'll hated it. I think it's really fun.
1: Yeah, I just was like, what's the point of this? Blah, blah, blah. Uh
0: it opens with the uh a gladiator chasing down some scrolls. Uh who speaking of things that just look evil, I mean these Characters created by Jack Kirby just look like what an evil (laughs) alien should look like. They've got like spirally spinning (laughs) eyes and green cleft chins and pointy large ears. I mean, these guys look so evil.
1: So uh, and they are. They large. They're at least war. They're at least hostile. They're the Klingons of the Marvel They're pretty evil. Yeah. So the Guardian is attacking them and the Guardian runs into their ship and there's a big explosion. Yeah. Then we cut to Earth, and we got Ben and Johnny are walking through Central Park, and they run into Star of the Comic, Julie Angel.
0: Yeah, this is Nova, uh, uh, or, uh, Frankie Ray's, uh, which was Johnny's ex, who left to become a Herald of Galactus. This is Frankie Ray's old roommate, um, and you know they're they're hinting that maybe Johnny and she will become a couple.
1: Yeah. And Julie Angel's like an East Village actor. So every time we see her, she's doing some kind of acting stuff.
0: Yeah. She's like doing a, like a clown show in the middle of a park right now.
1: Yeah. Um, Byrne must have either done acting or known people who were actors because the specifics, although he doesn't get into it too much, they're not just generic actor speak. Like she's doing characters from what do you call it? The uh, oh gosh, it's like the old Harlequin. Oh, Commedia dell'arte! Mm-hmm. Commedia dell'arte, the the tradition of theater where there's these like archetypes you play. Like I forget what they are, but it's like you know the the incompetent boss, you know the scheming uh, relative or something like that. They have these comedic archetypes that you're supposed to practice doing mm-hmm. as an actor. And the she's
0: microscopic man yeah you get it yeah, yeah. yeah
1: in the 1600s italian theater there would always be a microscopic man
0: the talking horse who's really slow
1: <laughs> classic I mean, characters talking horse the great unsung hero of early marvel comics uh, anyway but so julie and johnny are flirting ben's bun ben is bummed out because julie was kind of unnerved by the sight of the thing
0: yeah but he's looking pretty good in his um white
1: uh uh what do you, what do you, uh, a Uh, collared shirt and, and blue jeans. He's got a white dress shirt with kind of open down to his chest, and some blue jeans or slacks. They kind of look like Peter Parker pants to me. Like yeah, sort of blue suit pants. Uh, I mean, I don't know.
0: I love how Byrne draws. Me too. The, the thing in casual clothes.
1: I lo- me. Too. I love all John Byrne with. I agree. Thing wearing like a red turtleneck at an Irish bar is like the best. So um, right after he's bummed out by Julie Angel, he a girl, a little girl is riding a horse in Central Park, goes out of control. Ben saves her, and the mom is delighted that her daughter is saved and delighted to see the thing. So we see that even though Ben is bummed by Julie Angel's reaction, the people of New York love the thing.
0: Yeah. And uh, then there's a flare coming from the Baxter building, so the thing runs off, and he sees Johnny flying there. The uh, thing's going to take a while, which is realistic. They don't all show up at the same time. The thing yes. is running. It's gonna take him a while.
1: As Johnny descends out of the Baxter building, we cut to one of the staples of the old Jack Kirby FF, a cross section diagram of the Baxter building and how the space is distributed.
0: Yeah. A little bit of like kind of comic booky science where it talks about like all these like baffles to keep the 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 roaring rocket from destroying the building or making too much noise for the tenants below. The FF floors. I love that this, Like this this, other people live in this building. Imagine working in a building where, like, the top five floors are always being attacked by supervillains. And there's, it's so like, crazy. a portal
1: to the negative zone and a yeah. a rocket that can go to the moon.
0: <laughs> but like, on some floor, there's just, like, an accounting office. <laughs> so, I'll do your taxes. Like,
1: come to my yeah. floor, 29th floor of the Baxter building. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's great. I love it.
1: Uh, it's a little loud. Um Galactus was here last week. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Uh so Johnny lucky, shows this, up.
1: I guess that was like that's like what Astra City is. Astra City would have like what's that accountant's day like?
0: Yeah. That is 100%. <laughs> Working in the Baxter building would be a story for sure. Uh Johnny shows up and we find out that there's something heading towards Earth. Uh and it's uh coming fast.
1: And it, and they it turns out it, to
0: be uh, the guardian.
1: The guardian, yeah. And he starts to attack the FF, and we get a we get a battle that I mostly skipped. Uh, I get was it good? Great.
0: He lands right where the thing is, so the thing jumps out of the cab he happened to be in. Uh, and thing, I like this. The thing kind of doesn't attack him right away. He's just like checking out what this the deal is with this guy. And this guy throws a car at the thing, and the thing goes, "Okay, this is serious." Uh, And the Guardian then punches the thing through seven or eight cars, I guess, killing the people in those
1: cars. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think this is good news for the people in those cars. Um, Maybe
0: everybody got out of cars right before that happened, but otherwise they're dead. (laughs)
1: Like the thing Uh, should be
0: covered in blood and guts.
1: Then the Guardian picks up the sort of stunned thing and tosses him into the Baxter building. Yeah. Where he passes out. Yep. And then he picks up the Baxter building. The Guardian picks up the Baxter building, which is nuts. I always I almost wondered if it was two issues of a dream in a row, because Reed is like, this shouldn't happen.
0: Yeah, he basically points out the logic of it that like a building being tilted like this would just crumble.
1: Um, but this is not a dream. This is happening. Uh Johnny tries to contain the guardian and can't.
0: Yeah, because like he's basically fighting Superman, like, like he blasts him with flames and the guardian just
1: blows out his flames. Uh with his lungs, uh, Reed gets out in a universal translator, and then we can hear the Guardian speak. And the Guardian thinks that the FF are Skrulls.
0: Yeah, so Reed tries to convince him they're not Skrulls, but you know, that's tough to convince because Skrulls are shape changers. Guardian doesn't believe it and attacks.
1: I think it something happened with that when he hit the ship and an explosion. Like something has done something to Guardian.
0: Oh yeah, I mean I think that's pretty clear.
1: Okay. Um. um
0: Then Sue attacks. She does pretty good for a little while. like She holds him in a force field, but he's just too strong, and he eventually knocks her out.
1: Franklin Franklin sees Sue gets hurt, and we are almost thinking that he's going to save the day because we know that he's powerful enough to probably do it. But he locked his powers away in his brain, so he doesn't do anything.
0: Yeah, the thing then wakes up because the thing always gets back up, tackles the Guardian from whatever, you know, the 40th floor of the Baxter building. And they fall to the ground. Uh, And then, you know, Guardian hits the thing with a bus. It's a bad day for Ben.
1: (laughs) Guardian Uh, And then the X-Men arrive. Yeah. And we see some John Byrne drawing the X-Men again.
0: Yeah. Uh, Spoiler alert. They turn out not to be the X-Men, but it looks really cool. And they don't really talk like the X-Men. It's like if you read this page, like if if Twitter existed now, everyone would be like, see, Byrne can't write the X-Men. This dialogue's all off.
1: Yeah. I hate John Byrne. FF never worked.
0: Yeah, because because Cyclops goes. Nor shall you be until you have vanquished us, which is a little too formal for Cyclops. Um, it just feels just a little bit off. Um, but it is off. It's supposed to be off anyway. It's really cool. It's really cool, especially if you're a fan of Burn, You'd be like, oh, he's drawing the X Men again. This is exciting.
1: Yep, yeah, it's it's big news. Uh, but then that was the last issue of Fantastic Four that ever happened.
0: Yeah, we never that never got resolved. Um it was weird. It was a weird decision. It was going great. Yeah, it felt like the comic had recovered, but you know, Jim Shooter canceled it and canceled all Marvel comics. And that's why we're talking about. That's why we don't talk about anything behind the eighties.
1: Yeah, there there aren't there aren't any. Um so uh really fun issue, right?
0: Yeah, I really I really loved the both the Guardian one and the Doom one. Uh The dream one was fine. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it would have been better if it wasn't sandwiched between two great issues, weirdly, and Mm -hmm. if I didn't read them all in a row. Yeah. Like if I was reading these once a month, maybe I'd enjoy that more, but like because I'd read it after the Doom issue and then went into the Guardian issue, I was sort of like forgetting about that middle one, but otherwise uh, really fun. And just the Uh, art is great. And like I said, after reading the Marvel firsts, uh, it's just fun to see like a well-put-together comic that doesn't feel like like that last Daredevil issue we read where it felt like oh, the art kind of wavered in quality and style and the pacing of those issues would be like they spend a lot – four pages on Thor tapping his hammer but like one panel on him defeating an alien invasion. Like mm-hmm. These just feel paced better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just their pleasure to read. I do wonder what modern readers would think of these these issues that are like almost 30 years old. So if mm-hmm. you are somebody's reading these for the first time, we'd love to hear your opinion. Screwitcomics at Gmail, screwitcomics on Twitter, and screwitcomics on Instagram. Um, should we take a break and then do some mail? Let's do it. All right, take a break. We are back. So, as I just said before the break, so we're about to do our correspondence, part of Cosmic Rays and Correspondence. And if uh, you want to email us, you can email us screwitcomics at Gmail. Twitter, screw it comics, Instagram, screw it comics. And don't forget about our ongoing unofficial screw it Insta push, where you can take one of our posts from our Instagram and put it in your stories to spread the word about our podcast. Um, my goal is uh, 10 million listeners an episode. So we've still got a ways to go. Uh, we don't actually know how many listeners we have. Um, yeah. <laughs> we don't have access to those stats. So it's really just what we assume. So I'll assume we're Mm -hmm. at 9 million and we're trying to get to 10.
0: So we just need another million? Mm -hmm. So reasonable after you said 10 million.
1: Yeah. And uh, we're going to go through some mail now, Kevin. Do we have anything, uh, any mail that's come in? Sure. Uh, We got a bunch.
0: Uh, We're not going to get through it all today. We'll read more next week when we cover some more burn issues. Um, Let's start with this one so we don't anger. This is probably our most volatile fan. (laughs) This is from Chris Gethard. (laughs) <laughs> um so I'm gonna read the entirety of this email well okay uh, the subject is quick thing okay hi milksops hope you're both well I've been delighted that the recent series looking at Marvel firsts it's great and <laughs> uh, during your talk about Iron Man's early issues I re- Ga does it does do a good job of like like putting in context for what he's about to talk about and really, you so know, that it doesn't he, just
1: come out of nowhere
0: yeah I mean, because to most writers, like they're writing after an episode and then we read it like three months later. So it's helpful. Yes. He's he's, uh, he's a professional writer, you know. I mean, he's a great writer. He's a great email writer. I'm not going to talk about his other writing. <laughs> you you <laughs> demoted his writings. Yeah, just, <laughs> like, his books are a
1: writing compliment.
0: His books would be great letters. No, his books <laughs> are great. Um, uh, during your talk about Iron Man's early issues, you mentioned Jack Frost. Did you know that Jack Frost in that issue was not the original Jack Frost? I did Uh, not The first Jack Frost was one of Stan Lee's earliest creations and first appeared in 1941 in USA Comics, published by Marvel's predecessor, Timely Comics. He made four appearances back then. In 1975, Roy Thomas brought him back as part of the Liberty Legion, consisting of other Golden Age characters. They appeared five or six times as part of storylines with the Invaders. But most importantly, Jack Frost appeared in a 1999 – sorry, appeared in a 1991 issue of Captain America. Oh, boy. Smack dab in the middle of Mark Grunewald's run. It's a one-off, self-contained story involving a big ice worm. He's won and done. But I'm going to shoot it to you straight. Since you guys are such huge Jack Frost fans, you should probably read the entirety of Mark Grunewald's run leading up (laughs) to the issue you for the full context <laughs> and also while he's never mentioned again jack Frost's appearance leaves its fingerprints all over the rest of Grunwald's captain america run so you should probably read the rest of it too to see how many ripples jack frost left in the pond <laughs> just trying to do you guys a service since you said so explicitly during the episode that you're huge fans of jack frost. <laughs> please read this email in its entirety gethard
1: wow leaves its fingerprints is such an interesting way to describe hard to detect influence <laughs> <laughs> that's this is way less um this is way this is a way more reasonable statement than Squadron Supreme is better than Watchmen.
0: Sure. it's still insane but it, it's brief too. i I
1: appreciate that. <laughs> I love it um He's our most responsible uh email writer uh, maybe someday we'll devote 20 episodes to uh to gethard's favorite series It's not happening uh any time right soon but uh it's on the table.
0: I mean, we discuss it every now and then. Sadly, more than we should, but we do. <laughs> uh, we've got a couple Instagram messages, well, that I'm going to share. Okay, uh, Casey Bruce messaged us that um, they're making two action figures of Hyperion and Doctor Spectrum. Oh, nice! Uh, he's asking if we think this is due to the
1: screw it bump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably probably because we covered it, you know. So the, they yeah. got to they got to capitalize on that demand. He
0: also sent me a link to this thing and I had heard about this and forgotten about it um that um Don Simpson who was involved with the 1963 comics that we covered well yeah uh the series 1963 not the comics from 1963
1: the Alan Moore the Alan Moore written 1963 comics which came out in 1993
0: yeah uh Don Simpson had did some of the art for those uh he is working on an annual Uh, called fuck al it's the 1963 annual okay um uh, i guess it's something he's been working on for a while i think a long time but i guess it's getting closer to um completion um but it is a comic that is being made i don't know if it'll be sold or if it's just something this guy's doing for himself um like all the characters seem to be slightly redesigned probably for so he could publish it if he wanted to um Without reading it I can't say anything about it but uh I don't love even I don't I don't know if I would enjoy reading a comic that's just mad at Alan Moore the whole time so I hope that's not the whole point of it.
1: <laughs> it could be it could be like you know Alan Moore presented himself as like the Stan Lee of those comics so it could be yeah. sort of like using that construction just to to do a general outrage yeah. at all comics owners which Alan would probably be in favor of.
0: Sure, I don't. Th- I don't think he'd care about anything anyway. I don't think if someone wrote a whole comic making fun of him, I don't think he would lose much sleep over it.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. Uh,
0: we also got an uh, Instagram message from Zach Empire. That's yeah, you know, whatever a, a handle. Okay. Maybe maybe a real name. I don't know. Um, uh, he goes. I'm sure people are already mentioning this, but if you wanted to read some good Doctor Strange, check out Steve Englehart's run. Really great with some great art by Frank Bruner. Um, I pointed out that no one had mentioned it other than him. Uh, he said, like, I thought for sure I'd be the 50th person to say it. It's definitely <laughs> the best run. I love Ditko, but this run is better. Okay. Um, so that's a little uh, uh, plug for Engelhart's Dr. Strange run. He doesn't ask us to read the entire, the entire run and cover every issue of it, though, so I appreciate that. Uh, going back a ways, uh, we got an email from, uh, read listener, Joe, this is back during our Insta push campaign. Well, okay. He says, I regret to say I've not joined the Instagram push due to not having an Instagram account. Good excuse. He says, if it gave me the chance to win some elusive Heinz red comics, this was something somebody suggested that if we, we should offer a contest, <laughs> That's with right. Right. Boy comics that we both read, read. <laughs> <laughs> Not ones we've made, (laughs) ones we've read. Uh, If the Instapush gave me the chance to win some elusive Heinz red comics, I would gladly consider creating an account and following. Um, he's like, maybe I'll do it anyway. Got to support the push and prove I'm not a coward. There you go. So that's one person who wants comics
1: we've read. I'm going to say, just for the thought, I'm sending that guy no prize. Oh man! (laughs) Wow, (laughs) so arbitrary.
0: Uh, we have an email f- uh, from listener Chris, subject, a few notes. Okay. Uh, he's I'll Try to keep this shorter than a Gethard email. Uh, number one, I've listened to the podcast since the start, though bizarrely don't read comics other than a few more collections and some of the longer Batman stuff. Uh, recently re- revisited your episodes on the original Spidey run uh, since I was all caught up. Like the early days of Marvel, there's a certain madcap energy that is just so fun. I think he's talking about our episodes have a madcap energy. One. Yeah, we've lost our fire, for sure. Uh, especially love the proliferation of segments. And I've been meaning to email you for the last few months to add them back in. While <laughs> I was being lazy, you've done just that with your new Media Watch segment. That being said, I want even more. More segments! Uh, I don't know much about social media. But if there's a way to include your email address in your Twitter or Insta bio, might be helpful for when people want to email you and don't want to scrub through the entire episode to find the address. That would be smart. Maybe it I'll do smart. it someday.
1: Maybe, yeah. Maybe in a couple of years. years. Uh,
0: number three, I don't know if I heard this right, but I think in a recent episode you said you forgot to repost one of the Insta push stories on the accounts. If you did indeed miss only one, I have this distinguished honor of being the one. If you missed more than one, ignore this point. Uh, I noticed that I missed one. But I'm sure I missed other ones because basically if I don't see it within 24 hours, it's gone.
1: And you're not a huge on Instagram all the time guy.
0: I mean, I am for the few days when I'm posting stuff like basically Wednesday through Friday. I'm on a lot, but Mm -hmm. then I won't check it all. And I also have to remember to check our messages because if I don't already, if I haven't already gotten a message from you, it won't show up. It like won't give me a notification. It'll just sort of be this hidden message I've gotten. So I'm sure I missed more than one. But I definitely missed one. But so uh, it might have been you, Chris, um, that one, or that might have been one of many that I missed. Maybe we uh-huh. have thousands of Insta pushes I missed.
1: This is episode right now that we're doing one sixty nine. Mm. Yeah. Um. So who knows? We were doing one hundred and sixty nine episodes ago.
0: Uh, we got an email from uh, Rob. F in Baltimore. Okay. The subject is when playeth a podcast. Uh, hello again, Kevin and Will, and Happy New Year. That's back when he wrote this story. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, Mid-February. Uh, I wrote to you over two years ago to thank you for getting me into the Fantastic Four and Justice League International. It may It may surprise you to hear that almost every subject of yours since then has also served as an introduction to me. Aside from Superior Spider-Man, Dark Knight Returns, and Claremont's X-Ron, my comic nerd credentials have been in serious contention. Season after season of Screw It, I've had to listen along and learn about new things instead of beginning to indignantly push my glasses up and prepare to correct you for every minor omission or mistake. What's the point of being a nerd? <laughs> Truthfully, it has been a blast getting the excuse and opportunity to hear about new, to me, comics, then seek out physical copies and back-issue bins or read them on the Marvel or DC apps. The best thing you've turned me on to lately was Busek's Secret Identity. Ooh, oh, yeah. Mama, that was great. Yes. Uh, after the Marvel's first seasons, uh, I would like to humbly ask for more DC stuff from the past. Crisis, yeah. Ambush Bug, Burn Superman, some Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams Batman, whatever. The DC app is pretty good and I've always been more of a Marvel guy. I suspect lots of listeners have. So if you turned your attention once more to the distinguished competition, it could be another great opportunity to turn us listeners onto something new yet again. Don't want to stay so far in the past? What about some Tom Taylor DC alt-continuity stuff like Injustice or Deceased? Tom Taylor friggin' rules, says Rob.
1: That's a good recommendation, and we have been sorely lacking in our DC coverage. Like, even though I was more of a Marvel guy, and I think Kevin you. Used- you're you're more balanced but i do think overall you've skewed a bit more marvel in your fandom. Yeah. If, if uh, only I because of marvel. Spider-Man. Yeah. Um but lots of DC stuff we love, lots of incredible comics. So, yeah, we could there's a lot for us to to do there. Mm-hmm. Um yeah,
0: uh, and i love so, Tom Taylor's stuff, so i think Injustice is really good despite I think I've talked about it, despite it being built on a core concept that is bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. You've talked about that um, disparity, and it's interesting.
0: Uh, uh, Tom Taylor now is writing Nightwing, and which I, I love the character of Nightwing, and he's probably the second, my second favorite run of of Nightwing ever. Who's the best? Uh, Chuck Dixon and Scott McDaniel.
1: Okay. He said very, you said that very definitively. I like it.
0: Yeah. Um, no question. That was my favorite run. Uh, I, and Tom Taylor like r- kind of re- brings back what was good about that, but also sort of like h- with his own take and twists. Uh, it's certainly not retreading old stuff, but it certainly seems to be honoring that great run.
1: In The Arkham Knight video game, there's a number of great sequences where you get you and Dick Gray, you as Batman and Dick Grayson fight together. And it's really fun. Is so, he Nightwing in that? He is Nightwing. Is he, yeah, he's mm-hmm. Nightwing. Uh, but uh, Batman calls him Dick when it's just the two of them, and whenever there's anybody else around, he calls him Nightwing. And um, the battles are terrific, terrific, it's really fun. And I think of you, Kevin, when I do it, I'm like, Kevin would love this,
0: yeah. Nightwing's awesome. Um, we can do a few more, you got time,
1: yeah? Let's do just 10 or 11 more and then move on. Great.
0: Uh, maybe we'll get out of December emails. (laughs) <laughs> here's one from Adam, the Grunwald, uh Mobius uh, connection. Uh, Mo- okay, yes. Grunwald Mobius connection. I was, for a moment, I wonder if it was Morbius he meant, but it's not a typo. It's Mobius. Okay. Uh, sup, sops. This is from Adam. Uh, I hope this email finds you too well. Still loving the show. I wasn't a huge fan of the Squadron Supreme comic book series, but as always, I enjoyed your guys' discussion of it. I'm a huge fan of the Burn FF, so of course I'm enjoying that discussion as well. There's been a lot of talk about Grunwald's cap recently. <laughs> uh, I wonder why. And I thought you two might be interested to hear about a small part of Grunwald's legacy. Apparently, Grunewald is a meticulous person and thus created the official Marvel handbook. Right. It's because of his attention to detail and desire to keep everything straight that Walt Simonson paid homage to him in the pages of Fantastic Four with the TVA. Even modeling character designs after him. This is probably why Owen Wilson had a mustache for his Mobius character in the Loki show. Mobius worked for the TVA. The Not Time Variance Authority, I think is what it's called yeah. for. Uh, as for comics, I'd love to hear you discuss. I'm going with a little more obscure title, Thunderstrike. Eric Masterson had an interesting trajectory as a character and I'd appreciate hearing the commentary on it. Eric Masterson will, is sort of a, like Thor, I think was dead or missing and Eric Masterson became the new Thor for a while. It was sort of in an era when like all the like kind of in the not exact same time but when, like james rhodes was iron man and like a lot of replacement heroes
1: interesting okay
0: uh, and thunderstrike was one who like replaced thor and then was popular enough that he kept going after thor came back for a little while okay yeah
1: it's fun but i never read it so uh, that's i just told you everything i know about thunderstrike okay but i can see why that's an obscure but still a uh, reasonable recommendation mm-hmm
0: Uh, Let's do two more. This one's from Mike. Subject changing of opinions. Uh, Hello again, my comic loving brothers. I looked back into my email history and you have six of my emails on the air. Make that seven, Mike. Uh, I only write these so I can brag to my friends how cool and famous I am. (laughs) I wonder if that works. Uh, because the number one way to prove you were cool is to have your emails read on a comic book podcast. (laughs) I also need to keep up with John Bournes, who is another frequent emailer and good friend of mine. And I always get thrown by that name. I always think for a moment it's John Byrne. (laughs) I hope this email makes the cut. I've been rewatching the MCU with the objective of power ranking the villains because that's kind of what I do. Uh, this got me thinking about Marvel villains and the more I think about it, the more I realize that my favorite Marvel villains are the ones I could not stand as a child. Watching the X-Men cartoon, I hated Mr. Sinister, Mr. Sinister. I hated his look, his evil team and everything he was about. Now as an adult, I love how different he looks and how either serious or silly he can be written. In my early Spider-Man reading watching, I would groan every time Kraven the Hunter would show up. How goofy his gimmick is and how overly serious he is with such a silly concept. As an adult, I read Craven's Lost Hunt, and I love how serious he is, even with such a silly concept. And I pray that Sony doesn't ruin him on the big screen. Do you guys have any characters that you hated when you were kids that you have done a complete 180 on as adults? Love the pod. Love you guys. Keep on keeping on.
1: Oh, well, that's interesting. I mean, we mostly focus on the stuff we loved as kids and we still love. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of getting into anything new is like is a challenge for me. I get, I get stuck in my old ways a lot. Stuff I will say I... I like
0: the inhumans more now than I used to. And I think that's from us rereading Kirby's FF. Like I, I've read good Inhumans comics. Uh, Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee did a great run, but overall I tend to get bored by them. But then when we were rereading the Kirby, uh, FF, F- F, I loved all the inhumans issues. Like they were some was... of my favorite stories.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Kirby inhuman stuff was electric. Um, I don't remember disliking the Inhumans, but they definitely went up in my estimation when I read the Kirby stuff for sure. Um, Thor is somebody that as a kid, I was always quite bored to read a Thor story and really didn't do it. And then after truly decades of people saying that the Walt Simonson run was great, I finally read it. Um, I think it was actually Chris Gethard's – a text from Chris Gethard that put me over the edge one day. I think I had just gotten Marvel Unlimited and by coincidence, Geth was like, you should check it. Or maybe he, I forget. But I ended up reading all of Simonson on the Marvel Unlimited app and, you know, just loved it. Just like tore through it. It was so fun. And Thor had always seemed kind of wooden and like stilted, maybe because of the old dialogue. But like that run was like lively and fun. And uh, it's just a just a great series of comics.
0: Yeah, it also does it without like really changing Thor. It's sort of pretty. depth. Yeah, like it doesn't like make him like.
1: It's, it's not fit, like it's Thor Ragnarokking
0: him right. It's not making him a comedic
1: character. It's just it's he's got a light toucher. His art is also so distinctive and fun to look at. But I just would just really read those fast, and I mean that as a compliment. Like I just, with enthusiasm, would read those Thor books. So uh-huh. maybe that maybe that's one. Another one I think about is Hawkeye.
0: Um, I did not like Hawkeye. Um, I mean, I didn't dislike him. I just didn't care about him. And he's a lot of people's favorite Avenger. Okay. Uh, and I would be like, I don't get it. Like, he's Kurt Busick's one of Kurt's favorite Avengers. Oh, I
1: remember reading that. Yeah.
0: And I was even when that, Kurt wrote that him, was I was, four, was not yeah. wowed by him. When he joined the Thunderbolts, I kind of enjoyed that story, but I didn't care about Hawkeye in particular. It wasn't until I watched the cartoon Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, Hawkeye in that cartoon was so fun that I was like, oh, I think this is why people love Hawkeye.
1: Well, that's interesting.
0: I think, like, they distilled it. uh, And then to the point where I liked it so much in that cartoon that when the movies kind of changed him again and then, like, uh, 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 Matt Fraction changed him again for his comic, I was like, oh, and Matt Fraction's Hawkeye series is great. But I was like, oh, I Kind of and now I liked the classic Hawkeye. I'm sort of sad you changed him.
1: Yeah. You got, um, atta- you got attached to that comic that cartoon's incarnation of him.
0: Yeah. Like Fraction changed him into sort of a um a James Garner private eye getting beat up kind of character. Yes, yeah. Um he's always oh, got a broken nose. He's kind of a screw up who just sort of is scrambling to get by, which is fun. It's certainly a fun take oh, on the, him. F-
1: the Fraction comics are ter- so
0: good. But in the uh, Avengers cartoon, Hawkeye is just a guy who is, he's in way over his head, but he's more confident than anyone else on the team. And it's so fun how they thread that needle of this guy who should be the least confident guy on the team. Um, He's not a member of the team initially because he's on the run from the law because he's like thought to be a criminal. And uh, he ends up like saving the Avengers through, like you know, whatever story reasons that put him in a position to be able to do that, uh, they ask him to join the team, uh, and he does. But then, like the next adventure, he saves them all again, and he gets up. He's basically there's like a scene where he's like, I don't know why I want to be in a team where I have to save you guys all the time. Like
1: he's like <laughs> seriously
0: annoyed by it. He like talks down the Hulk a couple times. Like the he threatens the Hulk. Really funny. Uh, And the Hulk sort of likes him because, like, Hawkeye seems to not be afraid of the Hulk. <laughs> uh, and all, all that stuff is great. I'm like, uh, like, watching those episodes, I'm like, this Hawkeye character is a blast. The way he is uh, not afraid of the Hulk and, and thinks he's better than the rest of Avengers. Avengers. Uh, there's, like, an episode where they all get mind-controlled by the Purple Man, uh, except for Vision, who's a robot. Uh, and the Vision first snaps Captain America out of it. But then Captain America snaps Hawkeye out of it basically by saying, I never knew you to follow orders from anybody. (laughs) And when Hawkeye thinks about it, he like snaps out of it. Like the idea that he's like a sworn allegiance to someone just bristles at him underneath (laughs) that Captain America can use it to unlit. And I was like, that's also great. It's just really, really fun.
1: That sounds really good.
0: Uh, And I loved him. And I loved that character. And I loved how he was drawn and performed. And uh, it made me love Hawkeye. In back issues of stuff I've read now, I sort of see that side of him now.
1: Oh, that's interesting. You retroactively can see the the mm-hmm. pieces you like. Yeah, that's a testament to a really well done job. Um let's do one last one and then we'll call it. Well, okay. This
0: is from uh, Julio, who's written us a few times. Uh, hi milksops. Nowadays we are in the era of adaptation adaptations from the comic book to the TV show movie. Uh, adapt from comic books to TV shows slash movies. Uh, uh, my question is what TV show movie would you like to be adapted into a comic book? So what would you like to see go the other way? Well, it can be something that exists in comic books already, like a comic book expanding on Spider-Man, no way home or something that does not come from a comic book at all. Uh, as always love the show, your friendly neighborhood Julio. So what's a, a, something you like that you'd want to see turned into a comic book.
1: Uh, that is really interesting um how about okay the very first thing i thought of was i mean the boys but that's silly it was a comic book i forgot um how about, what about watchmen what about Zack snyder's Watchmen? <laughs> that would be a comic. great comic <laughs> um there's got to be a joke about that like a novelization of the war and peace movie or something like that <laughs> um I, I, uh, the girl, the gold watch and everything that'd be fun to see as a comic book, a very cheaply made TV show from the seventies on channel 11 that Kevin and I would watch and it's a channel that did mostly reruns based out of New York. Um, some kind of like, uh, the, what I'm trying to think of is like a movie that had a cool mythology, but because it wasn't successful enough, like didn't get expanded. Oh, I know. <laughs> Kevin, you're going to auto man <laughs> the
0: 80s 30 years too, too late I bet that has been a comic book but uh, I, mean, Who, I don't think that's Julio's question anyway a, um, a good comic book based on it is what Will I think is saying I'm sure <laughs> whatever comic book
1: oh wait what's Julio's think. question exactly maybe no, no you're
0: you're answering it correctly I just uh, I bet that I would be shocked if that had never been a comic
1: oh okay so you're just saying it was
0: probably a cheap shoddy I mean they made comic. comics about like um, the greatest American hero has been a comic book like every like in the last 20 years or so like these things just i'm sure there's been night rider comics and all these sort of How like, about every... How
1: about Twin Peaks? Has that been a comic? I don't know. I wouldn't be it, surprised if it had. There's a whole mythology in there and David Lynch is weirdly not good at exploring stories. He's good at exploring yeah. moments and mood, but he's not good at exploring plot. Somebody who's really adept at plot but also tone could probably have a great time with that.
0: So yeah, hopefully. I mean A lot of the fun comics are ones that I think for me that are adaptions of other things are ones that sort of like, if they're done well, continue the stories from like a TV show that ended or a movie that ended. Um, Like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer comics did that really well for a while. I mean, on and off. Some of them are bad. Some of them are good, like anything. But when it's done well, it can be really fun because they get the advantage of, as we were saying earlier, like sort of an unlimited budget. um, Yeah you can cast millions of people all with lines of dialogue. You can, you can, you don't you like need to write people off cause they're working on other projects. Uh, you can also kill people cause it's a comic book and it's, you're not firing someone from a job. Like it's sort of very interesting and freeing what you can do. Uh, but that's been done already. Uh, so I'm trying to think of a different one. Um, yeah. Um, uh, has The Wrinkle in Time been a comic book, the kid's book? I'm sure everything has, so I'm not going to even worry about that. I, I know I was picking on you about that before, um, because I don't think we can think of something that has not been mm. turned into a comic. Um, so we're just like, what would we want to see, like, another one done, I guess? Or I guess are we saying, like, an adaption of the actual stories that are in the... I don't think that's what we're saying. I'm thinking, like, continue, the, continue stories yeah. in that world. What about... What's the uh, Vin Diesel character who uh Riddick yeah Riddick
1: There's a new Riddick comics? movie coming out you know
0: pretty soon he's making another Riddick movie yes I think he, just because he loves that character right and
1: none of them do I that so. well <laughs> is that right Triple X did okay well yeah okay um Triple X wasn't right. Riddick oh it wasn't no oh <laughs> then,
0: uh, yeah Triple X is just like a spy oh, oh whoops Riddick is like a science fiction movie that turned into like a it's from pitch black right Yeah, Pitch Black was the first one. And then there's like Chronicles of Riddick is the second one. I think the only other one. But Chronicles of Riddick only existed because I think Vin Diesel loved the character. And it's a completely different movie than Point Blank. Yeah. Point Black. uh, Point Blank.
1: Oh, Pitch pitch Black?
0: Yeah. Um, Like Pitch Black is like an Aliens movie. And then Chronicles of Riddick is like a Warhammer. Did you see that in the theaters with
1: me, Pitch Black? I saw it in the theaters. I didn't see either one in the theaters. Um, and I th- I think it was like hot day in New York movie. It was like I wasn't like dying to see Pitch Black. Uh, And I remember it's one of those movies that if you go in with those expectations, it is terrific. You're like, whoa, that movie's like, you know, you you kind of overestimated it because it I mean, like exceeds your expectations so well.
0: That movie came out in the time where like you rented stuff still. So like I remember renting and being like, oh, I've heard this movie's good, and being like, oh, this movie's a blast. Like, yeah, th- things did not quite get um overhyped as easily back then. It still happened I'm sure but like it took more like cuz you just didn't have social media like like now movies get overhyped and then get uh immediately get backlash against being overhyped and then get good again <laughs> like and it depends where in those waves you see it right how you react to it.
1: Um good question. Uh we got more Kevin, emails for next time Will. Great. Kevin, I liked your answer to that last one. You get a no prize. I don't want it. What's well, on its way?
0: Your no prizes are worthless to me. So I think we're going to close out our episode there, Will Hines.
1: Great. Um, uh, More burn and mail next episode. Yeah. 250, 251, 252, I assume. Okay. Uh, Maybe we'll just do 250 and 251 because 250 is a double issue. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I guess that's up to you. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, we'll see you all next episode, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye.
0: Screw it, screw it, we're just going to talk about comics.